A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. Part of the excitement was being there for the national anthem and for the player announcements because by the time it got to the Bulls in Chicago Stadium and it got to the last player being Michael Jordan and now from North Carolina, you could not hear the rest of his introduction. That's how loud it was. You could not hear his name being said. And we were all yelling and screaming. And it was the coolest feeling in the world to be in this stadium. We were just all together as a community showing our screaming love for this guy who has put Chicago on his shoulders and said, I'm going to be great. And you just had to root for him. And you are in Australia right now. You're talking NBA basketball. You're talking great teams. You're talking great individual players. Takes it off and there's number 23. And of course, Johnny goes nuts. We're all getting first time thinking about it now. I just tried to go out there and play my game. I have no idea what you're talking about, Adam. I don't like anybody. I'm not a people person. Strand, you made the pass. Yes. Christian, can you catch the ball? Yes. All the stars were aligned and all the muscles fired at the right time. And I was able to get off the ground and throw one down. I was saving that as a surprise for you. And now, introducing your host for In All Airness, Adam Ryan. Welcome to episode 114. Thanks for joining me. I'm pleased to welcome Andrew Goldberg to the show. This is a fun chat. Andrew aims to collect every ticket from Michael Jordan's NBA career. You'll be surprised at the unique, delightful ways he's obtained some of the tickets in his collection. We also talk about a few non-MJ tickets that he has as well. Towards the end of the episode, I'll update you on Andrew's most recent total of MJ tickets. This conversation was recorded in June 2020. Show notes for the episode and access to a huge archive of past episodes are available at inallairness.com. Now, onto the show. My guest today aims to collect each and every ticket from Michael Jordan's professional basketball career, regular season, postseason, and all-star games included. He's well on his way to reaching that unique goal. Andrew Goldberg, thanks for joining me. Adam, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It's a pleasure to have you on. I was really intrigued the first moment I came across what you're doing. Just to add a bit further context to the conversation, you do have other Jordan tickets in your collection, including ones from his college years with North Carolina, Team USA appearances, and some exhibition games, of course. But primarily, I believe the focus of your collection is to get all those regular season, postseason, and all-star game tickets. That is correct. To do the tally, there are 930 regular season Bulls games. There's 179 Bulls playoff games. 142 Wizards games, all regular season, of course, didn't make the playoffs those two years, and then 13 all-star appearances. So when you tally that all up, it's 1,264 NBA games. 
so pleased that you come up with that figure because I'm a collector of Michael Jordan games on video or DVD, even digital these days, and my collection, it's at least at 1,000. I used to always benchmark it against the 1,264 figure, so I'm really glad that I'm not the only person that can define the exact number of games that you're looking to get tickets for. As far as you're aware, in terms of the total number of tickets that you have, you're approaching around 900 unique tickets as per last check on your list. Where does your collection rank with those worldwide? Well, as of right now, that number is 899. So I am just one (laughs) ticket away from that 900 mark. And believe me, these little milestones mean so much. If you're a collector, whether you've reached a milestone of how many you've achieved or how many you have left, or the percentage that you've collected, all these things are very, very meaningful. I've been working at this about five years, going back to 2015. And in that time, I feel like I've run across many, many ticket stub sellers and collectors through different online chat forums or through eBay, and we've somehow gotten in touch. And I've asked over and over again, is anyone else doing this? And over and over again, people have said, I am not aware of anyone else doing this. The closest I've heard is that there's someone that I've chatted with. We've actually done some trades or sold each other some tickets here and there, who's collecting a ticket from every game from Jordan's rookie year only. He's also trying to get a uh, ticket from every year of both Birds and Magic Johnson's rookie year as well, which is kind of cool. I'm not collecting those guys' stubs, but no one's stepped forward to say, hey, Andrew, you're wrong. It's me. It would be cool if someone did, quite frankly, because... When I first started, I thought, yeah, this is kind of a crazy endeavor, but I couldn't possibly be the only one who's ever thought of this. And it would be exciting to meet someone who's done this or is doing this because chances are we could help fill each other's collections in. And I would love to trade with somebody. So that's been the disappointment of not finding someone. But it's also kind of cool to think, hmm, maybe I'm the only one doing this. Yeah, that's incredible. I would have thought, just based on the fact that I wanted to ask you that question to start with, that there'd have to be numerous people that wanted to do it, but quite remarkable that you might be the only one in terms of having such a great collection across Jordan's entire playing career, not just his rookie season, for example. That's fascinating. From what I understand, you grew up in Highland Park, Illinois, and you graduated from the University of Illinois in 1997. We're of a similar age. I'm 45 this year. Your father and I think two of his friends were Bulls season ticket holders for 25 years. And between them, They occupied four seats, and I believe your dad had maybe a quarter of the tickets throughout each individual season. Do you remember the first Bulls game that you attended? What age were you, and and what memories spring to mind from from attending a game at Chicago Stadium? Well, yeah, all that information is correct. (laughs) It was a real treat if I got to go to a game because I was growing up, I was in school. I, I have to actually ask my dad this, but I don't think that I went to games during the week on a school night. But my first memories of going to a game is actually pre-Jordan because my dad had season tickets for 25 years dating back before Jordan era. And I remember my favorite player was Artis Gilmore. I was always tall for my class. I was always the tallest boy and he was the tallest on the team. His first name started with an A. My first name started with an A. And so I thought I like had this connection with Artis Gilmore. So he was my favorite player. It's like the big guy on the team. There was, of course, Reggie Theus. And another great memory 
for anyone who had gone to the Chicago Stadium before the United Center and saw Michael Jordan play. I don't know that it happened within the first season, but certainly by years, let's call it two or three of his career, you didn't miss the player announcements. It wasn't about showing up sometime in the first quarter to get the majority of the game and just be there for the end of the game if it's exciting. Part of the excitement was being there for the national anthem and for the player announcements, because by the time it got to the Bulls in Chicago Stadium and it got to the last player being Michael Jordan and now from North Carolina, you could not hear the rest of his introduction. That's how loud it was. You could not hear his name being said. And we were all yelling and screaming. And it was the coolest feeling in the world to be in this stadium. We were just all together as a community showing our screaming love for this guy who has put Chicago on his shoulders and said, I'm going to be great. And you just had to root for him because he was ruthless on the court, as we know. Imagine having that as your hometown guy. And you're just like, yeah. He's my guy. And we just all loved him. We couldn't get enough of him. Michael Jordan obviously had worldwide fans. But if you grew up in Chicago, he was everything. Every time you went to a game, you get there early. You don't miss the intros. And when the Alan Parsons Project song comes on, it gives me chills just thinking about it. I can tell. You could tell the passion that you have all these years <laughs> on. It's fantastic. We're of a very similar ilk. I saw one Chicago Bulls game in my life. I traveled over in 1994. Unfortunately, my timing was terrible. Jordan was in the midst of his first retirement, but we saw the Chicago Bulls beat the Philadelphia 76ers in January of 1994. Ray Clay was on the PA, the great Ray Clay, and the intros were amazing at the old Chicago Stadium. Even though there was no Jordan, it was a blowout victory, but I still remember quite vividly some of those moments from that one time I got to experience the starting lineup intro. So it was pretty special, even for a a non-Jordan intro. I still uh, loved every second of it. Just in terms of the ticket collection, obviously The Last Dance, the ESPN and Netflix documentary has come to an end. All 10 parts have sadly now gone. I know that it did increase ticket prices from Jordan's years with the Bulls, and there was a couple of tickets that went for some incredible prices. Were you at all tempted to take part in selling of any tickets that you may have had doubles of during that time when the prices were really at a high? I'm a collector first. I do have some doubles and every once in a while I'll sell something. It's mostly to get a little bit of cash to go buy some of the ones that I don't have. I arguably have some valuable tickets of his. From his rookie year, I don't have as many as I'd like. I have some doubles, but I'm holding on to them mostly because I want to have them as trade bait. Because I do believe there will be more and more people who are trying to do something similar to what I'm doing and that we'll be able to help each other out. So yeah, there's a little bit of temptation. I need to get his debut. I don't have that. And I don't know what that would go for these days. Probably the two more valuable ones that I have. I do have game six of the 98 finals and it's signed and it's graded by PSA DNA and the signature is graded as a 10. Incredible. I don't know what that would go for. I'm guessing if I said 5000 bucks and up, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But the one that I really love, and I didn't know what I was getting when I got it. All I knew at the time was preseason rookie year ticket. The main reason I'm not collecting preseason, quite frankly, is because I had a lot of trouble finding the 
preseason schedules and box scores. I just didn't have a schedule for every year. Even if I had a schedule, I didn't know if Jordan played. It's not always a guarantee he played every preseason game. But eventually, I was able to do some research on this ticket that I had and discovered that he did play this game. It was October 1984 at the Chicago Stadium, one of those nice, beautiful, full red tickets. It was against the Kansas City Kings at the time. And as it turns out, it was the last preseason game, and it was the only game of the preseason that was played in Chicago at the Chicago Stadium. So what's cool about that ticket is that it's essentially his Chicago debut. Now, it's not his pro NBA debut, but it's his Chicago debut. It's the first time he played in front of a Chicago crowd with the number 23 on. And to me, that's really cool. And the ticket is graded. It's a full ticket. It's graded a six, which is pretty good for tickets that are usually torn and bent and have holes or pinholes and all that. I don't know what it's worth. I showed some pictures to one of the auction houses in the last few weeks, and one of them guessed that maybe it could go for fifteen to 20000 Wow. And another guy who's sold some of these like expensive tickets thought that it could go for a lot more. I don't know. But when I went to uh, PSA and I looked at the population report, there's only two of them that PSA has seen. Mm. Um, and mine is the highest graded and the only full they have seen. So I would imagine it's probably more rare than his NBA debut because less people likely went to the preseason game. People just didn't go to preseason games. In many ways, they still don't. <laughs> mm. Well, that's that's incredible that it could be uh, circulating to that sort of price for you. That's, that's amazing. Do you know, actually know how you obtained that ticket in the first place? Yeah, I got it from a gentleman who had a bunch of Bulls tickets who was selling me some tickets over several years. And he had this one and I got it for like a couple hundred bucks, which at the time, quite frankly, I thought I was overpaying for it. I thought it should have been $75 to $100 maybe because at the time, you get most of his rookie tickets for 100 to 150 bucks. I overpaid at the time, I thought, and who knows what it is today. I just love having it. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand. Now, most, if not all, of your tickets from the photos I've seen appear to be in protective casing and they have the grading that you've talked about through professional sports authenticators, PSA. How important is it for you to have your tickets checked by them so that you can verify what their gradings are? The ones that I've shown you, yes, they, they are graded and they're in the what we call the slabs. But I do not grade all my tickets by any means. The ones I do grade are ones that, for me, what I consider are more key games. So anything from the rookie season, I'll slab. It preserves the condition. And it's just a nice display because on the label, you're able to influence at least one of the lines on there. So it'll have the factual information like this is who played who and here was the score and this was the date. But then I can say things like, for instance, the flu game. And I can suggest that in the submission and then the authenticators will just verify that. And as long as it's true and whatever I've suggested fits, they'll put it there. For instance, probably the craziest one might seem crazy that I've done. I think it's 1970 Bengals ticket against the Raiders. So I have other sports as well. But in that game is a football player named Carl Weathers. And it was his NFL debut. Now, after a handful of games in the NFL, he retired and he became an actor. And of course, one of his leading roles was Apollo Creed in Rocky. Oh, okay. I just thought that was really cool to go get an actor who was a former athlete, his sports debut ticket. So I went and got that. Now, that's also the first 
game of the the Bengals franchise. So for diehard Cincinnati fans, that's how they would likely label it, and that's the value to them. For me, I didn't care because I don't care about the Bengals. I just wanted it because of Carl Weathers. And so the label has the team names and the score. It says Carl Weathers, in parentheses, actor, NFL debut. (laughs) It's something like that. So anyway, you can put these labels on there. I'll send those off. And then any finals games, I'll send off. And then there's a lot of the named games, many that we know about. And there's different tiers of named and key games, right? Of course, you've got the shot. There's the flu game. There's the game he broke his foot. There's the I'm back game. The double nickel game in Madison Square Garden. There's the Pistons walkout game. Um, His 63-point game in Boston, his 69-point game. The shrug game. And then there's some arguably quirky ones that are interesting. In 1990, Valentine's Day, he scored 49 points on the road in Orlando. Number 12. Exactly. Someone you know, either stole his jersey or whatever it was, and he wore number 12. For some people, that's a really cool one. There's another one that's pretty cool or fun. Let me see if I can find this here. So you probably appreciate that I created a spreadsheet so I can keep track of what I have and I don't have. I've taken a lot of notes in there. It just helps me remember, like, oh, this is why this game might be special, etc. So January 16, 2003. Jordan is with the Wizards. I think he'd announced this is his last season. And Grant Hill was in town with the Orlando Magic. And he was at a point where he had some injuries here and there, but he was feeling pretty confident. He had decided, I'm going to take it to Jordan. Now, I don't know if Jordan got wind of this or if he just sensed it in the game or whatever. But in the first quarter, this is 2003, Last season with the Wizards, in the first quarter, Jordan scored 20 on Grand Hill. Grand Hill, I kid you not, and he tells this story. He was so demoralized (laughs) and knew that he just needed to get out of there. He just walked directly to the locker room, and I think the next day he had ankle surgery. I did not know that part, actually. Clearly, I am not well enough to be here. I've just been shown that by the great one. And it's, it's time to go get that surgery I should be having. That is remarkable to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew a lot of stuff about Jordan's history, and that's one thing I was certainly wasn't aware of. You're a man after my own heart, though, having notes to go along with certain games, and you remember certain things based on whatever may have happened on that particular day. I think you said you had 33 out of the 35 NBA Finals tickets of Jordan's. What are the two games that are missing? Since I spoke to you last, I've gotten one of them. Okay. So I'm now at 34 out of the 35, which is pretty cool. These are the little victory milestones that are nice to get to. So the one that I'm missing is 1997 game three. One solitary game. Yeah, just one game at the moment. What's interesting also is I just learned a lot about how different teams named their games. So for instance, the Bulls, it was alphabetical, chronological order is no matter what series it was in. So if they won the first series in three games and they had home court advantage, then it was A, B, and then C was the first home game of the next series. If that first series went five games, then D would be the the first game of the next series. I'm a bit of a nerd myself when it comes to this stuff, so I'm really uh, enjoying it, and I'm sure our listener would be as well. From the photos that you sent me in the collection that you have, you've got a mixture of ones that are just stub tickets or others are full tickets. For someone who's maybe a novice to ticket collecting, 
I'd assume the full tickets are obviously harder to come by because they weren't actually used at the game. In terms of your overall collection, how many would be stubs versus perhaps full tickets? The overwhelming majority are stubs. I do have certainly a healthy number of full tickets that I've found over the years, but the majority are stubs. And if you think about it, when Jordan was playing after a certain point, he was selling out stadiums, arenas everywhere the Bulls went. And it was almost like a crime to not use your ticket. So if you think about it from that perspective, most tickets got used. So to actually have an unused ticket is pretty rare. Now, I'm torn, no pun intended, (laughs) about collecting full tickets and what their value should be. Because one of the reasons I really enjoy the ticket collecting is because the ticket was actually in the stadium or in the arena. And the value of that ticket is based on those individuals that were playing on that court and whatever they did that day. That's what makes that ticket very special, which is very different from a basketball card, which I have appreciation for. When you think about it, that's someone's marketing idea. Mm-hmm. And, and again, nothing against it. It's just for me, I just think of it as that's, that's somewhat an idea, a strategy that someone cooked up in an office that said, hey, I've got a promotional idea on how we're going to these basketball cards. We're going to have these rare inserts. We're going to create this crazed hunt because they're going to have a lot of value. And people are going to be, you know, scouring all the, the supermarkets to try to find a box of these things, yeah. just one of these cards. And that's interesting and that's fun. And I get the hunt and everything, but that's an office decision. The tickets, that's because of what the athlete did on the court. And it was in the same airspace and breathing air as those athletes. And it's very cool. Now, the full ticket wasn't obviously at the stadium. Although more recently, of course, with scanning and everything, it can be. But early on, they were, believe me, they were torn. And and not all the tickets had good perforations in there. So there's a lot of like Boston Celtics tickets that just are torn in such an ugly way. (laughs) But most of the Bulls ones really were perforated. So they could really just just take off the stub really nicely. And there was an opportunity to have a clean looking square stub. I learned the hard way the first few tickets that I went to NBA games with. I didn't actually pre-fold where the perforation was and yep. it took me two or three games because we went on an NBA tour in 1994. So I saw the Bulls play maybe the fourth or fifth game along out of about six that we went to. But the first few games, there was a game at the Forum, the Lakers played the Charlotte Hornets. I didn't even think about um, preserving my ticket and it was just torn and it didn't fare too well. But by the time we got to the Chicago game, I realized, oh, I've got to fold these ahead of time so that they don't get torn and just ripped. I noticed on one of the photos you sent me, the one of the shot in 1989, it has a small tear on the ticket of yours. I assume that would be one of the key tickets you'd be trying to find, an absolute complete one of almost impossible to get a full ticket, I guess. Yeah, I have not even seen a full the shot ticket, but I have seen a clean stub of that for sure. Some of these games are really hard to come by. What's been really interesting since the last dance and since I've been talking to a few folks about this, folks have reached out to me and said, hey, do you have these tickets? Would you like them? And if I say yes, then I get one of two responses. One is, what's your offer? (laughs) And the second is, what's your mailing address? I'll send these to you. So in some cases, yeah, I paid for some tickets. And obviously, I know the basic going rate to overpay too much. But a really great recent story is there was this uh, gentleman named George, and he contacted me and said, I I heard that you're doing this collection. Um, This is just a few weeks ago. And he said, I understand the collecting bug. 
I've been trying to collect a ticket stub from every game in the Favre NFL quarterback start streak that he had. I said, oh, okay. I said, you still going? He said, well, you know, I'm kind of old. I think I'm too old to really complete this collection. So I kind of gave up. I was like, oh man, like it depressed me for a moment. But he asked me for my wish list. I sent that to him, but I said, this is the ones that I'm missing, missing, but I'm always looking to upgrade the other tickets. He showed me a ticket that I'm missing, which was when the Bulls played the Wizards when Jordan was on the Wizards. And after that, he showed me some photos of some tickets he had. And it included the Bulls home games from the 97 Fox, which would be games one, two, and six. Six being the clinching game. Mm -hmm. They were full unused tickets. They were in fantastic condition. And so I, I wrote back to him. I said, look, I'm really interested in that ticket that the Chicago Bulls won versus the Wizards because he had offered the other one for free. And I said, wow, thank you. Here's my address. And with the other ones, I said, if you're ever willing to part with those, let me know if I can make you an offer because I'd be very interested in having them. He didn't really respond. A few days later, I get that ticket in the mail that he said he would send to me for free. Well, lo and behold, in that package were all the other ones. Oh. He just said, just consider this a baby gift because my two sons were just born. And I was just blown away by the generosity. It easily is the best version of that game that I have because it's full unused and great condition. And of course, I, I sent it right off to PSA. I'll get it many months later, which is okay. I don't mind you know, the wait, but it's just amazing the generosity. So at the same time, I kind of looked up to see if I had any Packers tickets. And I ended up having like five or six of them. And I sent a picture and said, do you need these? And he said, yeah, but I'm not really collecting. So I just sent them to him anyway. He was blown away that I sent those to him and he decided he was going to pick up the collection again. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Just two collectors helping each other out. And I have no intention of selling that ticket. It's easily going to be the best one that I have for that game and that series. <laughs> Good on George for reaching out to you in the first place to make that actually all happen. In the information that you did provide me ahead of the chat today, you stated that you collect only the season ticket holder versions or sometimes the box office version, but never Ticketmaster. I can understand that, but do you mind just elaborating further on your reasoning behind that? Sure. There's the aesthetic, there's the potential value, which I suppose is part of it, but Ticketmaster tickets were never you know, printed at the stadium. I guess in some cases they were, but usually they were at some outlet, like a mall or something like that. They're very plain looking. They usually don't have the team logo on there, et cetera. They just weren't as interesting. And it was in the 88, 89 season when the Bulls started having photo tickets. So mm -hmm. the design, you know, aesthetic really increased at that point, not just for the Bulls, but just across the NBA. And then the last piece is I've sent some off to PSA and they always reject the Ticketmaster and Ticketron versions of the tickets. They won't grade them. I think it makes sense. If you look at the relatively plain design, they are easily faked. Mm. So from an aesthetic point of view, then what are some of the favorite tickets you've got within your collection? I know it's probably hard to narrow down, but is there a, a couple of standout ones that you really like uh, above any other? Well, it's always fun to have one of the away games where they feature Jordan's photo on them. That's fun. Certainly having Jordan on the photo in a Bulls one home game is fun. The playoff tickets are interesting. Even though photo tickets for the regular season began 88-89 season, the regular gray box office version ticket with a gray border, which was the season ticket version in 
stayed on as the playoff version ticket through the 1991 season. So all the 91 home games of the Bulls through the finals are these fairly plain looking gray border tickets. Mm -hmm. Starting in 1992, that's when they started designing the playoff tickets. And they started showing how many trophies the franchise had won. So for 92, of course, there's one trophy on there. And that's really, really cool. You get to the 93 season, and then they start to show two trophies. And it kind of went on from there. And it was pretty cool just to see the trophy stacking up each year. What might be the most unusual way that a ticket has entered your collection? Do you have a really strange way that a ticket made its way into your possession? This whole experience after the last dance and different folks reaching out to me has just been really cool. Weird, but very cool. <laughs> I would say that one other story that's that's pretty cool, I think, is uh, when I first started collecting, then I was still learning what things, values and what things should cost. I just knew that I was trying to spend as little as I could. That's all I knew. And I ran into this guy through eBay, somehow bought something from him. I got his information somehow. And eBay frowns on that, of course. But somehow we ended up talking and he ended up Skyping which was an odd thing for me. I was like, okay, I've never Skyped with someone I bought tickets from before. Because I asked him if he had any others. He said, let's Skype. He was just nicest guy in the world. He was just showing off his collection and said, look, I don't really have a need for these anymore. I'm just trying to get a little money for my kids' school supplies and that thing. I said, great. He really was a big Kickstarter for my collection to really help me get going. I probably got 150 different unique games I didn't have before from him early on. I bought some tickets from him. And then about a year later, I went back to him because I knew he had more and he had a box. He had a ton of tickets from the 91-92 season. Because if you look at the backs of those tickets, I think it was called the 115-point offense contest. The contest was that the Bulls score 115 points and win. And you take this ticket within 48 hours to a local 7-Eleven, you can get an Illinois lottery ticket for free. Cool promotion. Cool deal. You could... Take that ticket stub, which may mean nothing to you after a Bulls win, 7-Eleven, and maybe win some money. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So this guy at the time, back in 91-92, called up local 7-Eleven and said, what are you doing, tickets, that you are getting? And the 7-Eleven said, I'm just going to throw them out. Why? You want them? He said, yeah, I'll take them. And so I paid him like $150 for this box. And so I get the box. And there's probably at least a thousand tickets in there, oh. like a hundred tickets from 10 different games, <laughs> you know, 10 games that all qualified for this contest in there was, for instance, the shrug game. Very nice. Yes. I've resold many of those so that I have money to pay for the ones that I don't have. <laughs> he was into that. He's like, look, I'm sure there's doubles in here. If you can sell them, go ahead. Because he was a total fan of me trying to complete this collection, which is great. I'm so appreciative. There have been many folks like that. Some people, when I talk to them, they want to sell me something. They're just trying to maximize money. And I get that. And I'll, I'll sometimes step up depending on what the ticket is. But there are many, many folks who say, you know what? I really like what you're trying to do. That's really cool. Let me help you out. I need a, some money. You can't get this for free, but I'll give you a good deal. And so that was this guy. And again, um, forever grateful. I'm not one of those resellers who's just trying to turn things around for a profit. I do it judiciously here and there, just, uh, you know, little by little, just to have some money available to buy that ticket that I see that comes up on eBay. And I'm like, oh, I got to get that right now. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing those stories. 
Do you have a holy grail or at least a couple of must-have tickets that you still are yet to get in your possession? Yeah, there's two main ones that are kind of challenging right now. One is the 63-point playoff game against Boston. I don't have that one. There is a guy that I know has one that I may be looking to do a trade with to get it. So that's a possibility. And then, of course, the debut. Against Washington. Yes. And so let's talk about the debut for a second. Like, what what's the value of that, right? In the last 18 months, it's sold on one of those auction sites for somewhere in the neighborhood of like $33,000. I think there's three versions of his his debut. I think one is a Ticketron version, which again, I don't think has as much value, but for some, they'll still pay probably a few thousand dollars for that. There is the blue version, which I think was the box office version. And then there's the red version, which was the season ticket holder version. The red version as a stub is what I saw sold for $33,000 authenticated by PSA. And it was just authentic. It didn't have a specific grade. About four weeks ago, there was another auction site, his first preseason game, not the one I have, which is his last preseason game of his rookie year, but his first one, it was a really plain looking Ticketmaster version. And it sold for something like $34,000. This is interesting, which means that not only did someone pay $34,000, but someone else had to have bid like $33,000 and got outbid, right? So there were two people that were willing to pay a bunch of money minimum, you know, for this thing. That same ticket, different seat locations, looked like very good condition, sold, I think even last night, on two different sites. One on eBay, and I think that one sold for maybe $13,000 on another auction site for about $16,000. So that's really interesting to see that it sold for thirty-four. same ticket sold for sixteen and thirteen. So maybe that's really the real value. Who knows? Maybe there's just some excitement in that moment. That people just are like, oh, I got a bit up. I got a bit up. So that's interesting. Now, the other part of that I'll bring into the conversation is just the relative scarcity that can lead to what the value and demand might be. So I think most Jordan collectors know about the 86 Fleer, card number 57. I do not have one. It was always way too expensive for me to purchase, and it just kept getting more expensive. So I never got one. But pre-Last Dance, I was seeing a Gem Mint 10 of those sell for Mm $35,000 on eBay. And PSA, in their population report, has seen more than 17,000 of that card. About 300 plus are graded a 10. So that gives you some perspective. Even if you couldn't afford $35,000 and you're like, I got to have an authentic version of this card, you could get a 2 and not spend enough to buy a car on this card. So there's that perspective. Now, for the Jordan debut, we talked October 26, 1984 against the Bullets. PSA has seen 10 of them. That's it. Any greater. To think that you could have the best conditioned one of a card where there's at least 300 of them, but 17000 overall for $35,000, which I've now seen sell for $85,000 post last dance. But the debut only sold for $33,000 a year ago. And there's only 10 of them that PSA has seen. There's probably more than 10 out there. I have to imagine that the value of that ticket has to be much, much higher. Now, what it is, I really don't know, but it's got to be much higher. But anyway, that is the other one that I really would love to get. I think I have to get lucky that someone 
has compassion for my collection and says, you know what? I've got two of these. Let me help you out. Here's a great discount or do a trade with me for some other key games or something. I don't know. We'll see. You state that you'd love to complete your MJ ticket collection and then share it in a semi-permanent exhibition, whether it be at the United Center or the Basketball Hall of Fame, which I think would be really cool. Have you sought any feedback yet as to the possibility of that, or are you waiting until you close in on getting almost every ticket if that's uh, eventually going to happen? And I hope it does, of course. Thank you. This is exciting. I hope it happens. I believe it can happen because all the tickets exist. It's not like today where you couldn't do this for LeBron because all these teams have stopped printing tickets. They've gone mobile only. Here in Miami, it's been three years since they've been mobile only. And before that, it was like four or five years or more of printed home only. I've been a season ticket holder of the Heat and they haven't sent me printed tickets in all the time that I've been a season ticket holder. (laughs) But I have not approached the United Center. I have not approached the Basketball Hall of Fame. I really am purposeful about this. I really will approach them. I want to wait until I get a lot closer because at this moment, I could approach them, but it could take me three or four years to complete the collection. I do track how many I'm getting per month. And of course, with the popularity of The Last Dance and a lot of tickets coming out of the woodwork, that has helped a lot. But I've still got 360 some to go. That could take me anywhere from three to five years, unless I get really lucky and someone's got a collection that I come across and they want to help me out. So I'm going to wait until I get a lot closer. And yes, the idea is that I would love to set my permanent, meaning I don't know that I'm ready to donate it, but definitely I think it could be a really cool exhibit that could be part of a larger thing where I can't see someone spending hours looking at 1,200 tickets. But if let's say the top 50 or the top 100 games are somehow highlighted with a little abstract about what happened that game or the name of the game, a little photo. I think basketball fans, either who lived through the Jordan years or want to learn about the Jordan years, could certainly take a stroll through this collection and have some great nostalgia. I'd be certainly one of the first in line to have a look for sure. It's um, fascinating to me, and I'm sure those that are listening to this conversation as well would be quite intrigued, to say the least. Basically, since 2015, that's when you started to focus on turning as many tickets as you can. I think you said that you kept around 60 tickets or so from when you were growing up and going to games back in the day, but pretty much the bulk of this collection has all happened since 2015. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, I kept a bunch when I went to games and then when my father went, but I didn't go. I hope that he kept it, kept it in good condition. Wasn't always so good about it because he was not a collector. I was definitely one of those collectors where I said, dad, you can't touch these things. No, you can't look at it. I'll show it to you because I was afraid he would like bend a corner or something like that. One other story, if it's okay to share. Please. Highland Park, it's a very nice, you know, suburb, Chicago. And there are different spots that are like, they're like super nice. My parents still live in the same place, been there for 40 some years. And where I grew up around the corner, there was a little field that eventually became this cul-de-sac block of mega houses. This is literally a half block away, like two minute walk. I'm there remember it following Jordan's first rookie contract on his second contract, he moved there. So he lived a half a block away from me. I was a basketball fan already. We had a basketball hoop outside. My parents said, do you want to go over and meet him? A lot of the kids in the neighborhood are going over and knocking on the door and you know, bring cookies or whatever it is. 
I was a combination of shy and super respectful. I had so much admiration for the guy. I was too shy to like even think of going in and knocking on this door. But I also said to my parents, I don't want to bother him. I want to respect his privacy. As a kid growing up, I never went over there and I never met him. And what I would do is that I would spend hours on my driveway shooting hoops, hoping that he would drive by, stop <laughs> and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, so I don't know, something like that. <laughs> you know, it never happened. The closest thing that ever happened to me, quote unquote, meeting him, the finals were always around graduation time for high school in particular in the States. So there was a graduation party in that invited to. Of course, I walked over there. That day was a Bulls game. They were playing the Phoenix Suns in the finals. I had to walk back to my parents' house to catch a ride downtown for the game. You always get down there early and everything, right? Because you don't want to miss the intros and everything. And I was walking back and I had to walk past his house. And as I was walking past his house, a car starts pulling out of the driveway with tinted windows. I'm on the passenger side of the car and I stopped to let the car go by. I'm in college at this point. I was a sophomore and I'm tall. But anyway, the car stops. The window comes down on the passenger side. And I see Michael Jordan's wife right there in the passenger seat. Everyone knows what she looks like. And I hear the voice say, can I help you, sir? <laughs> I couldn't say a word. I was so flabbergasted. I was just hoping he would go by without a bother. I didn't want to bother him. I didn't even say anything. I just kind of waved my hands saying, no, no, go. Just go ahead. I'm not here for anything. The window went back up and he took off. And that ended up being the triple overtime game against the Phoenix Suns. Game three. Wow. So you had to run in with Jordan just ahead of him heading to the, the stadium to take part in that classic, although not for Chicago fans, perhaps 3 OT loss against Phoenix. That's right. It was a loss, but part of me thought, I can't run into him anymore for a finals <laughs> because that was bad luck. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> I would have been lost for words as well. So I've never met him. So there might be this fun, poetic ending to this whole story. Um, and I don't know if he cares about these things. And of course, with all the events that are happening around the world, all this seems very trivial anyway at the moment. Um, envisioning a happier future where things are different and this isn't as trivial anymore, that if this is complete and it does get displayed at the United Center or the basketball hall, and there's an opportunity where he's invited to like an unveiling or something like that. And I get to meet him. It'd be fun to shake his hand and say, I lived a half a block away from you. I didn't ever want to bother you. Of course, I would have died to meet you like any young kid. And it's kind of crazy that I had to do all this just to meet you. <laughs> but I'm glad we're here. That's fantastic. You've also got the 1984 and 1992 Olympic Games tickets, gold medal games for Team USA. So they're quite special as well? Absolutely. I'm very fortunate that I was able to get both of the gold medal games. The 92 one is obviously very special for, of course, having the dream team. It was great to get that graded as a, I think it's a six. So that was very special to get. I don't see how either of these is going to go down in value. You don't see the 92 game very often come up for sale. Hmm. So I think that that one is more scarce than the 84 one, but both, again, very, very special. 
there's a couple of non-Bulls ones that I'd just like to quickly mention that you sent photos of. One of them was the debut game of Manute Bowl and Spud Webb from October of 85, which I really enjoyed seeing in your collection as well. And then there's also another one, which was the game where Larry Bird stole the pass off um, Isaiah Thomas in the 1987 NBA playoffs at Boston Garden. So there's a couple of nice tickets there that show a bit of variety in the collection too. Yeah, I did try to get some other games, whether it's debuts of players or special moments in NBA history. I also have some infamous ones, like I have the the Malice in the Palace, mm. which was this moment that's not one necessarily to be proud of, but it certainly changed the game. Refing changed a lot and security in the stadiums changed a lot because of that game. So it was a very important game in the history of the NBA. That comes up for sale every once in a while. More recently, you may remember, and I, I can't remember if he was Ron Artest or Matt World Peace at the time, where he just kind of turned around and threw this huge elbow into James Harden's head, and then he just collapsed and had to leave for a concussion. Again, not everyone's going to be interested in all these games, but yeah, the Manu Bull one with Spud Webb, that's just special for multiple reasons. Independently, either player had their popularity moment in the NBA. Spud Webb, of course, winning the slam dunk contest and being one of the shortest players in the NBA history. And then Manu Bull, of course, being this lanky, tall guy with his great name, Manute Bull. And he was this amazing shot blocker and was really coordinated for his height. I also have a ticket from the game where he hit six three-pointers. Is that the one at Phoenix? I don't remember who they were playing. But it's fun moments like that where you're just like, no one expects Manute Bull to hit six three-pointers. He was a shot blocker, but but he did. Even more recently, I was able to get a, arguably quirky things or whatever it is, a couple of tickets from the Oklahoma City Thunder game versus the Utah Jazz from March 11th of this year. Oh, okay. That's the game that didn't happen because it got called right before you know tip-off. Now, I don't know if that's got value, quite frankly, and maybe it does to somebody now or someday in the future, but as an NBA fan, that was a pretty important moment, not just for the NBA, but quite frankly, for the whole COVID pandemic. It was a moment where we kind of woke up and said, whoa, the NBA canceled a game? It was the first big public event, very public cancellation. And the next day, yeah, all games are postponed until further notice. That was really one of the first dominoes to fall. It was an important moment. I can't call it special, but it was an important moment. Now, clearly, you're always on the lookout to upgrade your collection with better condition tickets. There could be a listener out there who can help you add to your collection. What's the best way for listeners to reach out to you if they maybe do have something in their collection which might end up in your collection, Andrew? Well, I really appreciate that opportunity. So there's two ways. Through Twitter, my handle is Andrew L. Goldberg, so A-N-D-R-E-W-L-G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G, or um, my email address, which is Andrew Lewis, A-N-D-R-E-W-L-O-U-I-S, underscore O-N-E, at yahoo.com. So Andrew Lewis, underscore one, at yahoo.com. Happy to talk tickets. I'm not quite at the point of really selling what I have. Again, because I'm a collector first and I'm not looking to just turn around and resell tickets. So anyone who's interested in participating, let's call it, in helping me with the collection is, is greatly appreciated. 
someone listening might actually just have something that uh, is not yet in your collection and they might be happy to pass it along just for the, the good of your collection. So you never know. It's been great to have you on the show. Good luck on continuing that collection and whatever comes in the months or years ahead, we might get you back on to talk about some of your latest additions in the uh, quest to get every MJ game ticket that's available, mate. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about the collection and assuming that the United Center or the Basketball Hall of Fame agree that this would make for a nice semi-permanent exhibit on their facilities, I hope that you're able to come to the opening of the exhibit. That would be a treat. Absolutely, mate. Thanks again for being a part of the show today. Great. Thank you so much. At last count, Andrew has 926 of 1,264 Jordan tickets. So he's just shy of 74% of reaching his goal. Quite incredible. Thanks for listening. I welcome your interaction with the show. You can suggest topics or guests you want to hear conversations with. Send me an email. Audio clips are welcome. In all airness at gmail.com. Worldwide, the show has more than 170 ratings on Apple Podcasts with an average of four and a half stars with 90 reviews across all providers. Thanks for your continued support. If you add a review, I'd love to read it out on a future episode. Your ratings and reviews are one of the best ways to support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please do tell your basketball-loving friends about it. Your word-of-mouth recommendations are worth their weight in gold. Stay up to date with my podcast and subscribe to my monthly email newsletter. You'll receive exclusive details on upcoming podcast episodes, future high-profile guests to appear on the show, and much more. Simply email me inallairness at gmail.com. You can subscribe to my show in various ways. Search for In All Airness, three words, on your podcast app of choice. The show is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Overcast, Android, and more. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues, inallairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show.